And so you have these different points of view telling the same story. And the thing is, they're telling it in totally different times, totally different time periods, totally different areas, and they're still it is still lining up together. And there's so many, like when you talk about so many different things, and we'll get into that a little bit later, there's so many different things that really points to the truth of the Bible, archaeology, science. <laughs> and documented. <laughs> it's documented and stuff like that. And then as much as we want to deny things, to the Men's Pit Podcast with myself, Patrick Myers, Dennis, and Ephraim. And I just want to thank you for coming along with us and just being on the journey with us as we started about two months ago. And now we're about to do our 10th episode, I think. And and it's just been a long road to get to this place. Right now, what we're going to be talking about today is the Bible true? Last time that we talked, we were going over um, what kind of gospel are we giving out? And when we're giving the gospel out to people and we're sharing the gospel, a lot of times the questions that I come across is, how do I know if the Bible is true or not? And this is a, a discussion that as men, we need to actually really understand for ourselves. It is a big deal when people ask us that question, is the Bible true? How do we actually answer that question? How do we defend that? And what tools can we get to be able to accurately and effectively express the heart of God when he is telling us that he is the way, the truth, and the life? That's what we're going to be going over today. And um, we're going to go ahead and get started. And so it says here that logic requires that there's only one objective truth for any specific claim. Contradictory claims cannot be equally true. For example, the statement, the hamster is in his cage and the hamster cage is empty, cannot both be true simultaneously. This evaluation of truth applies to spiritual matters just as well as logical or physical matters. It's responsible it's reasonable to claim that the Bible is true in, in a way that excludes all other statements. Examining the Bible in the same way we would any other text, we can confidently say that it is in fact true. The Bible not only encourages readers to examine their own beliefs in 1 John 4, 1, and I'm going to read that to you real quick. Give me one second here. So first John 4 1, it says, Beloved, do not do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. What do you think about that E right there? When it says when it talks about the Bible, only encourages readers to examine not only it excuse me, the Bible actually wants us to examine our own beliefs against it. What do you think about that when you're thinking, when you're talking about 1 John 4, 1? What are your thoughts? 
to examiners to to repeat that question so I can fully. What do you think about the when it talks about how the Bible in, encourages us to actually examine our own beliefs against it? Um, what do you think about that? And does that do you see other religions where they say, "Hey, examine your religion against my religion and see which one is the true one"? For me personally, I look at it this way. The Bible for me, it exists, God exists, and he has chosen to communicate with us through his creation and the moral consciousness and through the Bible. So in that sense, for me, how I weigh that out with other religions, if I don't read, if I don't listen, the living word, which it says in the beginning, okay, it's quoted that correctly, not that well versed, <laughs> but in the beginning it says, God created the heavens and the earth was formless and voided. Darkness was over the sur surface of the deep and the spirit of God was moving over it. What I want to get to is in the beginning, God was, the word was flesh. So if you could help me with that verse, because I can't find it on here. For me, if I, if the Bible, Lord, help me say the words that I want to say, Lord, right now. It is true to me because everything that I get out of the Bible, since it's the living word for me, it gives me the truth of how I walk my daily walk. And compared to another book, another religion, you can't do that because the word is living. And every time I open the Bible, if there's something that I'm going through or something that somebody else is going through, I get my answer from it. I can't say that for other religions. It just gives you questions, leaves questions in your mind, leaves questions in your heart. For me, it doesn't. I can go in there and I can sit down with my father and pray and then open my word and I get my answer. Sometimes my answer will make me think and then there comes a confirmation of what God is trying to tell me. And that's hard to say what other religions because the simple fact is that God is a spirit. Everything is a spirit, right? So we're spirit being first before we are flesh. That's how God created us. Other religions, they talk about all these other spirits, but it contradicts the word of God because it's all about self-being, self-worth, self-this, self-that, I, 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 I. And in the Bible, it talks about him. And when you start realizing that, you start realizing that the word is so living that anything that you look for that you're going through, he would answer to you in the Bible. The other thing is, if you look at any other religions, any books in the world, the Bible is the most selling book in the whole world. And nobody knows that. It's the bestseller. Look at what the Gideons do, right? You go to every hotel in, in the world, you open the drawer, and what you do find? A Bible. There is no other Bible besides the actual Bible that you get. And that says everything to me, me personally, that's the only thing that saves us from anything because it teaches us that God is real. 
He's creating He's created everything in this world to show you that he is real. And for him to send his son, which is himself, down to here to save humanity. Because as we were talking yesterday to a brother, Adam couldn't do it. So God had to do it himself. And so to me, that's what makes it true to me that I can open this book. Of course, there's a relationship that you got to have, but I can open this book and I can find the answers of what God is trying to do. And even to the current times of what's happening in the world, you don't get that in any other book. Today, you can read one verse and it means something to me. And the next day, you can read that verse and it means something different to you. It's a living word. And it's exactly what I was saying in the beginning. God is in, he's in the flesh in this word. And he brought his son, which was walking on flesh on this earth. And to me, that says everything. Yeah, big thing for this one is it's, it's very specific how God talks about this. Because it says that the Bible not only encourages readers to examine their own beliefs, but it also commends those who check their spiritual claims for truth. And it says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. And one of the things that I find that's, that's very significant is that what God says in his word, he says, don't believe everything that you hear out there, but test it and see if it's from me. And you don't see those kind of things in the Quran. You don't see those things in Mormonism where it says, Test me, test my words against what God says to see if they are from God. Test it. And I'll be honest with you, especially when I was younger, I got away from the church, right? And when I was 17, I, I didn't want nothing to do with church because the way how things were with how people treated me in there and just the contradiction I saw in the Christian life. And so when I turned 17, I went to the military and started traveling and traveling the world and stuff like that. And meeting just a whole, when you're in the military, you just meet so many people from so many different areas and so many different places and in different mindsets, cultures, different things like that. And so I started hearing about other religions because before I didn't really hear about other religions except for independent fundamental Baptist thinking, right? And now I got all these other new ideas floating around in my head. And now what ended up happening is I started forming my own biblical view. Mm. And, but I wasn't testing the spirits on that. I didn't ask God, hey, is this true? Is this not true? Just like, it all must be true because there's so much wisdom and so much stuff out there. And I've started to fall into this trap where the God of the, God of the Bible I pretty much imagined my own God that fit my circumstances that fit because I could take things from all these other religions because people, because one of the things I see all the time where it has this thing that says coexist on the back of cars and you have all these religions, they're supposed to coexist together, but that is the most false thing that you can ever actually really do because once one of them has to be true. So which one is it? Is it the one that says, hey, we can all believe anything that we want? Or would it be the one that says, won't you check against me, myself? The word tells you to actually check against itself. 
And I, I next here's the part that's really cool. So in Acts 17, 11, it says, now these Jews are more notable than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were. And so it talks about in Acts, Paul's talking about this church in Thessalonica where they, when they got the word, they went and examined the word to see if it was true. And you don't find many books out there. You don't find hardly, you don't find any other book that this is challenge, challenge my truth. And that got inform you about what that truth is. But you don't have that. And it says to keep on going, it says the Bible makes claims on the basis of history and eyewitnesses and Luke and Peter. So in Luke, it says, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, I've delivered it unto us. It seems good for me to do so also. And these are the disciples. Luke is one of the disciples that walked with Jesus at the time. And he was telling everybody he's in this thing. So I'll read from verse one. It says, in so much as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us. And so he's right there in that scripture when it's talking about when people like, is the Bible true? The disciples really want God. When people say Jesus was just a whatever. He's saying, no, right here, this is what we did. We had several people walk with him and we compiled a narrative of what happened. And so you have these different points of view telling the same story. And the thing is, they're telling it in totally different times, totally different time periods, totally different areas. And they're still, and they're still lining up together. And there's so many, like when you're talking about so many different things, and we'll get into that a little bit later, there's so many different things that really points to the truth of the Bible, archaeology, science. <laughs> and documented. <laughs> it's documented and stuff like that. And then as much as we want to deny things, because what happens with truth a lot of times, if the truth challenges our own sensibilities, a lot of times we'd rather believe a lie. Mm-hmm. That's just the part of human nature that's just, that's a really crazy thing. But... We try to be more intellectual than the creator. And man, just how we just miss the simplicity of just what your own eyes see. And then the evidence of the truth is all around us. But we'd rather seek the evidence of our own truths as opposed to the truth of who God is in our life. So the Bible made his claim on the basis of history and eyewitnesses. Content connects belief to visible evidence. So John 23 and 3. So now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And so it talks about that Jesus did so many other things. And in like in other texts and other things, there's documentation where other people have written things about Christ. It's not in the Bible, but the things he has did. So it wasn't just the disciples that did all this stuff. It's not just stuff that's recorded in the Bible. It's other things recorded throughout history. And ties biblical ideas to observable world. Jesus overtly claimed that claimed to present an exclusive truth. And so in John 13, 37 and 14 and 6, it says, Pilate said to him, 
So you are a king. And Jesus answered and said to, and said, you say that I'm a king for this purpose. I was born and this purpose I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who has a, who is of the truth listens to my voice. And this is very key. He says, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. So he is very specific here. So it's the people that are seeking the truth, people that are that that want the truth, will actually understand that he is the way, the truth, and the life. It's us who reject the truth in our mindsets in the way that we think, where right there it says that you we don't listen to his voice. And how often does that happen? How often does that happen in our lives where we don't do those kind of things? Let me, Dennis, what do you think about this part right here where it talks about, let me read verse 14, 6. And then it says, Jesus said to him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So you're putting both of these verses together. He says, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So if he's the truth, if he is the word made flesh, and there's no way to the Father but by him, it's a rejection. It's a thing that is plainly on our part where we don't understand and we don't listen it, or we deny the truth that is the word of God. What is your thoughts on this so far, Dennis? I would say that's probably the most radical claim that, that Jesus made. And it it makes impossible all the other efforts to water things down. There's the, as you were mentioning earlier, these different thoughts and ideas and people saying we're we'll all we can have different truths no that's <laughs> jesus has made the claim clearly there that there is one truth and he is that truth and no one gets to the father except through him so therefore that's either true or it's not and i choose to believe that it is and i believe that there's there's not only physical and academic and intellectual support for that, but experiential as well. We talk, you talk, started this out by talking about, is the Bible true? And how in the first scripture that you quoted, we were essentially challenged to test, test not only what we believe, but what others are saying to us and test see the, the validity or the truth of what they're preaching. Because you, you mentioned false preachers. I would say there there are false preachers within who disguise themselves within the, the cloak of Christianity as well as other other faiths. So I think that most people, I know myself and Pretty much every other person that I that I can recall when we've had conversations about faith have gone through a process at some point in their life where we begin to question. Okay, as a child, we're maybe we're shown this is what we should believe, but as we become adults, many times we kind of test those waters. The why is that? What's the reason that I should believe this? And Sometimes it's our own failings. I know in my case, it was my own failings that caused what I call a, a crisis of, of faith. And it sent me on a several year journey to, to probe the depths of what is it that I believe and why do I believe it? And um, there are 
there's so many criticisms that are out there about Christianity, and I think it all stems from the fact that people just don't want to believe, and they want to believe something that is self-serving, because the whole, the central part of what I perceive about Christianity is you don't get the, you don't get the, the, good things in life are good things in 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 existence by simply serving yourself you love others you love god first you love your neighbors as yourself and it causes you and many times there it's just you are to die to yourself to suppress the that inner man that the that the arrogant self-serving self-seeking um person that I think we all have inside of us. The truth does need to be sought out. I think people will seek it out. The question for me was, is it me that I'm serving? Is it me that I'm wanting to justify my own actions that may be harmful to others or hurtful to others? And eventually, it took a lot of soul searching, it took a lot of reading, a lot of talking with folks, different backgrounds and the like. But for me, on all counts, there, there, there was a, a recent talk that I was part able to participate in from an academic standpoint that was describing how we can have confidence in the accuracy of the scripture that's handed down over millennia so the thing that i found most interesting is that when we have critics that say you can't believe the bible because it was you have these different mistakes from time to time and different copies over the years and oh the oldest remaining fragment is only x number of years old the same level of criticism that is brought against christianity and the bible is never discussed and never compared to other documents like from Plato and Aristotle, for example, that are just accepted that these are great, they're fine, they're, they're, they come to us accurately through the, the ages. And when you compare those kinds of criteria side by side, the Bible stands up a whole lot better, a whole lot better than, than any of these others. I, I guess, I, don't, I guess I've wandered a lot. <laughs> I don't know if I've really answered your question that you posed to me, Patrick. And you say, it's what you said that just a second ago. People, the, the argument that people say about the Bible is that over centuries and over times, it's been watered down to translation because how can you translate from Greek, Hebrew? It's not the same. The, word, the lettering is different or or the meaning is different. And, and that you got a lot of claims that people say, that's why I don't believe the Bible because of this, the translations. How can it be real? You get a lot of people that say that. I hear that a lot. As he was saying that, I was looking up some scriptures here, and it says, what does Jesus say about God's word? He says in scripture, right, it cannot be broken. That's John 10, 35. Thus testifying to the authority of the Bible, in Matthew 5, 17, Jesus said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them meaning that Jesus believed and trusted in the Old Testament law and prophets. Jesus also said, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, 
but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. <clears throat> That's Matthew 4, 4. <clears throat> Space does not allow, excuse me, allow a thorough investigation of the view of Jesus of, on the, in the Bible, but a significant, what is significant is the note is to note that he believed God spoke, spoke through the Bible. He overtly upheld belief in several Old Testament stories and revered the Bible as holy and authoritative. Hmm. In that sense, it's telling you, and in, in, when I first told you that the scriptures cannot be broken, that is the biggest difference out of the Bible, out of anything else that you read. It's what Jesus has said. And we got to take that into account all the time when people will say, I don't believe what the Bible says. How do you know that what the Bible believes is, does it, it's not true if you're not testing it? You're not opening the book. You're believing what everybody else says instead of for you to opening up the book and finding out yourself. We get we, we, we tend to have a lot of people that are these days that, like a brother said the other day, I believe in God. I believe in God. I believe in God. But you don't hear Jesus in the mix of that. And what Dennis just for the saying is that, and what Patrick, what you were saying, in order to get to God, you got to go to Jesus. People forget that. It says it clearly in the scripture. You got to go through him before you get to me because he is the buffer. He is the reason why I hear you. Through him, through my son, the one that gave up his life for you. The thing is, people don't necessarily forget that. They don't want to acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. Because... That's the most offensive thing that for most humans, it was the most offensive thing. One of the most offensive things for me for a long time is that it, nothing that happens when it comes to my eternity rests in my hands, which we want to, we always want to have this validation and different things like that. And just going back to how the Bible can be true, just think about you don't have another book in the world that is challenged so much. There's not one other book that is challenged so much. Why would that be? Why would people always be trying to get rid of the Bible? Why would people always be trying to silence those things? Like, why is that? If there's not truth to it, truth that keeps you, because people want to say of the Bible, it's all these rules and regulations. What's the first thing that you want to do when you want to do things outside of those rules and regulations. You try to do something about the rules. You try to explain away the rules. You try to make the rules not apply to you. And the thing is, these are not rules. These are just the word of God, which is who he is, which actually has everything set in motion. It says, one of the things that's cool is that we can check the biblical claims about the Bible against verifiable truth. The Bible itself proves itself accurate. When you're talking about history, archaeology, science, philosophy, these things have all shown scripture to be factual and consistent. The core, like this correspondence between the forms of evidence and made is a major advantage that the Bible has over scriptures and any other faith system that there is. And more, in most cases, it has been a deciding factor in converting most skeptics around and non-believers to a faith in Christ. And for instance, we're talking about archaeology. And then we go to, and then we find in 19 or 1879, 
we had Cyrus Cylinder, pre-father dead screen, or no, from the discovery of Cyrus Cylinder in 19, 1879 uh, to Dead Sea Scrolls in 1947. And we had the Pool of Salome in 2004. And so these are things where that are mentioned in the Bible and you can go back and verify these things. I was watching this thing on the Discovery Channel and it's crazy because you have the, the world always tries to change things around and what they are. And I saw where they had found the Ark, the, not the Ark of the Covenant, the, the actual Ark, Noah's Ark in Mount Ararat up in Turkey. And everything that it was described about how long it was, how wide it was, how deep it was, all those different things, it's found, excuse me, it's found on the top of this mountain in Ararat, where the, the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea. When you go down into the Red Sea, there's chariot wheels and all the other kind of stuff that didn't get there from just, there's all kind of stuff under that sea where you can see a whole army was decimated. Mm -hmm. And it's still there. You can actually dive down and find this stuff. But the world tries to keep these things hidden because the truth of the evidence is not there. They have a whole mountain where God came down and it talks about when he was taking the children of Israel and walk and going through the they were going through that area on their journey. And it talks about how God came down and his presence was on this mountain where the Ten Commandments and it burned the mountain. And you can go literally to this place. Every single mountain around that area is normal, except for the top of this one specific mountain where the Ten Commandments were supposedly written. Right. And we're, we're not supposed to, but where it says it was written and the whole top of the mountain is burnt in the way where science cannot even explain. And so these are things that are just there for us to go and see if, if the Bible is actually true. Oh. It talks about he cracked the water with the children of Israel. He cracked the rock and the water came flowing out. There's actually a rock where you can go to. And you can see where the water had flowed out of the middle of this rock. It's like, it's a scientific anomaly, but you can actually see where water came out of this crack in a rock. And it's still sitting there to this day. And there's a great, I want to interject <clears throat> because I had become aware of this many years ago myself, but there is a great organization and publication that people can check out and subscribe to whatever that speaks to this specifically. It's a biblical archaeology review, mm -hmm. uh, and it's been in, in existence for quite some time. Online, if you go to biblicalarchaeology.org, you're going to find the links to, to that. But this is exactly where that organization is dedicated to exactly what you're talking about, Patrick. That's what they've been doing for decades, if not longer, to be the forum or the, the place where everything that has to do with archaeology as relates to the bible it's what they're about and so all these things that you're talking about are probably found there and it's a great resource especially for folks who like i was when i was in the throes of my um my crisis of faith i really liked academia so i went to those kind of sources and this is a great one so for folks that 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 can help to answer their questions, I think. So, so Patrick, 
I have, I have a question. Yeah. Does our view of the Bible matter? Oh, absolutely. This is one of the things where this is part of the, the notes and stuff like that is as Christians, we should really understand that while the Bible has their scientific proof of the Bible being true, mm-hmm. we cannot prove that the Bible is true scientifically. That makes sense. But no mm-hmm. amount of archaeology will ever prove that the Bible that is true to skeptics. But it's never going to, for people that just do not want to believe it, you can show them dead right then if they're really a hard set in people like that. When you see, yeah. when you have the, the whole theory of evolution, it's yeah. been disproven so many times, like even on his deathbed, Charles Darwin was just like, hey, I made a mistake, man, I messed up. He even said it out of his mouth on his deathbed, right? And then people are still following the evolution scientific method yeah. because they'd rather believe that. It yeah. says, but that should not cause us to doubt God's absolute truth. And that's when you're talking about that view. That should not that should not cause us to do that. God's the yeah. author of history, and we are assured that the record of his history is an accurate account of what happens. Yeah. Of course, everything that happened in history, it wasn't there. Not everything was written down or yeah. it's on it's on record. But only those things that were that the things that were recorded to further God's revelation of himself and his profitable us is what he gave us. First Corinthians 10, uh, 11. Now, these mm-hmm. things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of ages have come. Mm-hmm. And so that verse is just saying, OK, you want to say, why is it every single thing recorded? Come on. Let's just be like humans here. Mm-hmm. But the things that are necessary to point us in the direction of who God is, those things are absolutely there. Mm-hmm. You know, those right. things are absolutely just stop it. And just if you could just when you're thinking about creation and you're thinking about how creation happened and people try to say there was a big bang. Yeah. <laughs> well, big bang theory. They might not actually be wrong when you think about this. Mm-hmm. When you have the God, the creator of the universe, goes, let there be light. Boom. And he speaks that. What would that actually look like? What would that actually sound like? Everything just, boom, right into existence. Mm-hmm. The evidence is there, but what they want to attribute it to is wrong. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's right. And there's nobody really that I've heard of that... Uh, even considers well what happened before the big bang <laughs> it's like yeah. it's beyond their comprehension yeah. and it's beyond their ability to to conceive of what happened prior to you're right and i honestly i believe that science and scripture are not incompatible in fact i believe that if somebody who has devote and i know a handful of people who devote their life to science and the thing about science and scientists is that you're always looking for more knowledge and you're never all the these things that we've heard in over the past five ten years oh it's settled science it's no true science is always questioning always saying what else what if what and looking for either a tweak to their understanding or maybe we've got it all wrong there's there are plenty of times in history when what we thought was true scientifically was not and my my belief is that when we seem to have a 
disconnect between science and the Bible or our faith, that it's really a matter of our not really truly understanding the science. Yeah, um, that is, and then that's why that scripture is so important, where it says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not into your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge Him, and He direct your path." Like the thing is, God, all He wants you to do is to trust and believe in Him. It's more than just what's so cool about the Bible. It, it's more than just reading the Bible. It's this experience that you get to have with the Creator of the universe that you cannot see, taste, touch, or feel. But you can see, taste, touch, and feel everything that he does. Yeah. It it just it's uncanny that how this works. And like for instance, I've never seen God, but I can look up at the stars and see the magnitude of that. In my mind, and and there's just no way I can believe that someone can make a building before I can believe that someone will make me with five different systems. Mm. All of my cells, all of my DNA literally has his fingerprint where it says Yahweh in my DNA. Where you have lanolin, the, the stuff that holds all that stuff together is literally a cross. Why would that be the case? If that's not where God at a deeper level, he knows that he knew before time began that we were going to go looking for answers. We were yeah. going to be curious. And he left his signature on everything that has ever been created. He left his signature. And you know, uh, that's not, not number one. That's like a one in a billion odds that could be the case. Even the things that we create as human beings still has his signatures on it because it has to, whatever they creating things with, they can't create something from nothing. They have to use what's already in existence to create things. And all those things still has this imprint on it. That is crazy. Absolutely crazy. And we're so arrogant to think like we have control over these things, but not one person on this planet, not anything in science where you can create something from nothing. Now you might get reactions that create something else but you have to start with something that's already created. So that automatically takes the power out of our hands of being actually able to create anything. That's why it's so important that, as I asked you earlier, um, does our view of the Bible really matter? Because liberal theologians sometimes point out that our view of the Bible doesn't really matter so long as we gain strength and insight from it. They say that's enough. Following this line of reasoning, they remove many miracles of the Bible or simply treat them as myths, which is a mistake, particularly when it comes to the resurrection of Christ. Our view of the Bible matters immensely, especially if what is claimed what is claims is indeed true. It is our is as we argued that our eternal destiny hinders on how we respond to Christ when he's calling. Will we reject him or accept him? And this is what a lot of these liberal theologians get that say out there. But it doesn't really matter. As long as we gain strength and insight, but they, they take away all the things that have been documented, the miracles that, that Christ has done and what God has done just to create us. And, uh, and sometimes we have to fight against that because you have a lot of that that's out there in the world right now what their view is. And a lot of people take on their views 
which you call liberal and, and, and progressiveness that's out there right now that tries to t- give a different doctrine of what the Bible is. Right. And so much of that, I mean, it all gets back to, for me, my understanding is of uh, you know, a rejection of the idea of original sin, mm-hmm. um, where the most liberal ideology comes from a, a starting point that we are all born good. Mm-hmm. Um, and original, the idea of, of original sin is no. <laughs> We were not all born good. We were born in a state of sin and we're selfish and we're self-seeking and we will do all sorts of evil and pernicious things. Then that's our true nature. And the most liberal, every liberal ideology that I'm aware of rejects that notion. So if you reject that, you reject the entire basis for uh, under which why Christ had to come to this earth, why he had to live that perfect life that to give an example to us, why he had to die on the cross, because none of us are capable of being good enough. And that's just not part of who we are as human beings, but it's in, in my opinion, it's a supreme arrogance and selfishness that rejects that. I'm all that. I'm the exception to the to, to all of that. <laughs> or they think because they're looking at somebody else. I can see it myself. I've raised five children and now I've got 14 grandchildren. And so you look at that little baby and you say, how could there be anything mean or wicked or evil in that? And yet, you know, just wait till the first tantrum. <laughs> You'll see it. <laughs> The thing is, when you have those people, you're talking about those theologians and different things like that. I so many times I hear people when they try to take, make things literal and just be like, the Bible says this literally and not understand like there's some things that are metaphorical. There's some things that are not meant to be taken literally, like parables or stories yeah. about actually what's going on. And so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like we try to do those things. And so whether or not the Bible is true is a separate, is a separate question uh, or whether or not a particular passage is literal. These are two different things, right? Mm-hmm. So it's reasonable to say that a phrase or statement is true, even if the truth is not presented in literal terms. So an example of that would be like, if a person was to go, it's raining cats and dogs, right? We, we've all heard this statement, it's raining cats and dogs. The statement is true, it's raining like a son of a gun, it's raining. We had to, when we were out there the other day, man, and that storm just came in <laughs> through everywhere. It was raining cats and dogs, bro. Like yes, I it was. literally, <laughs> I think a cat or a dog might have hit somebody, <laughs> you know what I mean, in that, in that thing. It was absolutely crazy. See, the thing is, the statement is true, but it's just not literal. Right. And so we, a lot of times, that's why understanding the word and the context and what's going on and actually getting into it, the Bible doesn't contradict itself. It does, those metaphors, those things are meant to be different things. So the same principle like that, it applied to John's words about Jesus when he goes, look, the Lamb of God, and that's John one thirty six. A person might ask for clarification about what that means based on Old Testament passages, and it's not meaning that Jesus is this woolly animal that's a lamb, but he is the fulfillment of the law and divinely chosen sacrifice to redeem the world. 
So he was the lamb that was sacrificed. The, the picture of how when Abraham and Isaac went up onto that mount and for Isaac, God put that ram and that lamb right in, in place for Isaac. Isaac was the one that was supposed to be sacrificed. It's the picture of us. We are the ones that are supposed to be, but he takes that lamb and puts it in his place. And Jesus was the alliteration of that, of that, mm -hmm. that, that term. And so the figurative nature of John's statement doesn't make his statement untrue. It doesn't make his statement untrue that he says, behold, the lamb of God. It was just simply metaphorical. So it makes a statement true when Jesus actually did sacrifice himself for our sins, being the lamb of God for the sins and for the appropriation of sins for us. And so it's good to remember that the Bible is comprised of 66 separate books. Each of them contains different types of literature and a mixture of literal and figurative language. And so when we're looking at the Bible has poetry, the Bible has historic, like literally when you go to Leviticus, you go to numbers, it's like chronological records, like this person begat that person and literal lineages being traced. You have, you have books that were written in a period where people were talking about what happened with different prophets and stuff like that, where their recorded history is written down. But all these things put together in one book, which there's no other book that does this in the entire world, still supports each book, supports other books in the Bible, and they all connect together and doesn't contradict itself. More than any other religious text, we have assurance that the Bible is true and a combination of eternal, and you have a combination of an internal consistency. So inside the Bible is still consistent. It, the cross references, the things it talks about in history. Then you can take those same things, find them like the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. You can go to the place of Sodom and Gomorrah and you can find sulfur balls that are more pure than anything ever found on earth. And you can find and, and like, so you can see this whole city is destroyed by fire. And you can see these sulfur balls that like when you put these things, they're so pure that when they let them fire, they burn through things. And so you can see how the city was destroyed by this thing where it talks about fire literally rained down from heaven and destroyed this whole city. And the evidence is still there. That's absolutely wild. Mm -hmm. And the combination of, so combination of internal consistency, connection to evidence, and the relevation and the relevance of our experience to the Bible. And this is another thing too. And this is the one thing that's really important. Reading the Bible, it's not about just reading the Bible. It's about experiencing the Bible and the word of God and then have an impact in your life. Because once that experiential part starts happening, because this is the thing, there was a time where I just read the Bible. And I wasn't growing, I wasn't doing different things. I was, yeah, some things were being affected, but it wasn't until I was like willing to let the Bible change me. And I started experiencing the word of God. When it says, when it literally says depression, I was going through such severe depression these the, in this past two years. And he, he was, didn't, I don't know if he was a part of that part of my journey in my life. I think I met you a little bit after when I was still coming out of it. I was at the tail end of it. But these guys, EU was in there in the beginning. And I just didn't, I went to all these different places and 
tried to get all this help and was on medication and different things like that for depression. And the one pill that helped me was a man whose mind has stayed on me can have perfect peace because he trusts me for I'm his everlasting rock. And then you break that verse down into Hebrew and Greek and what it actually means. The Bible literally talks about, it talks about mental health and how to overcome mental health. I, I would, and that's a study for another day that we're going to talk about, but like the Bible literally talks about mental health, overcome it. And then like the, and it, and depth and detail in that one verse because of the context of what it means when you are really looking at it. And so that literally pulled me out of my depressive state because I was like, man, God, this is really how your word says it should be. Let me trust you and just and start walking and start focusing my mind on you. And that's all I did. Literally did what the Bible told me to do. I experienced it. And then the experiences that came after was a deliverance from out of depression that like that literally let me commit suicide. I tried to commit suicide because of that depression. And the word of God is what actually let me out. And that's the experience that I have, but that's personal. It's between me and God. See, the thing is for each person that's listening, you have to go on this journey. It says, if you seek him, you will find him. That's his promise to you. That if you seek him, you will find him. If you seek the way, the truth, and the life, you will come to the Father because there's no way to get to him but through that truth. That's what he says in his word. So what my challenge is to you that's out there, my brothers and stuff like that's out there, I can open this book. It's not just a book. It's a book that connects everything from the beginning of time to the end of time. It's the book that actually informs you of what your purpose is. When you go, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. It's in this book. It's real simple. It tells you exactly why you're created, but you have to find an answer for yourself. Me telling you has, it's, it's just like this. Any information, like there's a difference between me reading a book to you, right? And then you go and reading that book for yourself. I could read that book to you all day long. And then you'll only remember like maybe a little tidbits in there, but you go and read that book and experience like the, I had this one book that I used to love is called the sort of truth. And it is just like this amazing book about this guy that, that I don't know, he, he goes from being this woodsman's guide or whatever. And he becomes like this huge leader and over the series of these books. And I could tell you about that book all day long. Right. We can sit here and talk about it and you will remember 10% about what that book is about. But then if you go and you read that book, we could talk about that book all day long and talk about the details. And we can talk about each specific chapter and different things like that, because we've experienced the story of that book. But the Bible is so much more in detail and different than that. And one tool that you can use, all right, to maybe understand your Bible a lot better, um, it's this thing called the Blue Letter Bible. And you can download this, and you, when you check it out, you read your Bible, and you can have commentaries where you have great preachers that actually break down and give you their sermon notes on what that thing is about. Also, you have what you call interlinear concordance where you can look up each word in the Greek and Hebrew depending on what it is. So if you're going to be in the Old Testament, you're going to have more Hebrew. 
And if you're going to be in the New Testament, it's going to be more Greek. And so it'll break down what those words actually mean in Hebrew and Greek. It's a lang original language. And then now watch the Bible come alive in a way that you've never even thought possible. That's what happened when I was telling you about the depression in that one verse. That one verse in Isaiah went broken down in Hebrew and Greek. Man, it was a game changer. And that is where God says, test the spirit of my word. Make sure that my word is true. And then when you start breaking those things down and you start applying it to your life, what's true? Because it's a, it's a life-changing thing that happens to you. Any last statements before we go out? So tools, Blue Letter Bible. Also, if you have questions, you can go to a website called gotquestions.org. And that's a good place to start. And then you have the internet at your fingertips. You have YouTube. You have all kinds of things at your fingertips. Start asking questions. Test test your test the Bible against your intellect. Test the Bible right. against your truth. Test the Bible against all the other truths that you're hearing are all the other claims of truth that you're hearing out there. Okay. And then find out what is actually true for yourself. And if you're asking God, reveal to me what is true so I can get to know my creator. I can get to know you. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to do that for you. That's his promise. And if he's a God that spoke things into existence, he can't break his promise. He can't lie. And he will reveal itself to you. Yeah. Last thoughts, final thoughts from Ephraim and. Yeah, Dennis. Yeah, I do. And basically what I wanted to suggest, especially for somebody who maybe has never take broken the Bible open themselves and dug into it or and just or did and started with Genesis and just drifted off because I couldn't really <laughs> focus and follow is that and I know it was recommended to me and it helped me when I was first getting into actually reading the Bible for myself. And that is that you read from Psalms, you read from Proverbs, you read from the New Test or the Old Testament and then the New Testament. And what I did when I decided, hey, I wanted to to actually read this book for myself, is that's the process I would take. I would read one chapter from Psalms, one chapter from Proverbs, one chapter from the Old Testament, and one chapter from the New Testament. That's what I would do for that day. And then the next day, the same thing, the next and the next. And I think that makes it makes the the part the things and parts to the old testament that were hard to understand i didn't stay bogged down in that and there's still things that it's man i still don't get it about the about parts of the old testament etc but it, it helped uh, me in in terms of an approach to reading the bible that didn't skip over anything but it kept me engaged and it kept my mind engaged, it kept my heart and my soul engaged. And I especially love Psalms and Proverbs because by the time you get through all the New Testament and all the Old Testament, you're going to have gone through Psalms and Proverbs over and over again. And I think praise out of Psalms, praise for and the books and wisdom can't go wrong with those. I think for me, for those that are out there listening, saying, I open the Bible and I don't understand it. It comes to one thing, praying before you open your Bible, all right? And there's seven practical things that I wrote down that you can that will probably help you and, and, and everything ties in together. Get a friendly Bible 
version that's suitable to you that you can easily read. Ask God to help you understand. For me, start reading the book of the Gospel of John. That's an easy book to start with. Or whatever God leads you to read that makes it easy for you. Take about five minutes to read it. Reflect on what you read and meditate on a verse that's out of that book. And once you do that on a daily basis, all of a sudden you're getting the, interp the interpretation that God is trying to reveal to you on who you are in Christ. And, and with that said, let God pull you out of the pit and let his all consuming fire burn you up. Guys, I, I have a question real quick for you. You, you said something in there. When it talks about meditate, you said meditate on that verse. What do you mean when you say that? While you're reading whatever book you're reading, there's going to be something that's going to pop out on, on you. Take that what's popped out on you and meditate on that. And then memorize that verse that, that hits you when you are reading that book. So let's say, for instance, if you're reading Philippians 4.13, which is the obvious question, what, what verse is that? Do all, I can do all things through all Christ who strengthens me, right? That's, a, that's what people pull out of that particular book. There's other verses, but that's what somebody will remember. So whatever you remember that stood out to you in that book, memorize that verse and meditate on it. And so the part of meditation, that's very important. And I'm glad you, you said something about that, man. And that might be another, that's probably going to be another podcast <laughs> down the road too. What is true meditation and what that looks like. But when you meditate on something, it's just basically mean like you chew it over and over again. So you're thinking about that over and over again and just analyzing it in your mind and asking the Lord to speak to you about, man, what does this actually mean? Because when those verses stick out to you, a lot of times God is trying to speak to you through that verse, but he needs you to think about it over and over again. Because you know how sometimes you have a problem at work that you're trying to solve and you're like, man, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. How am I supposed to get all these workers together to get this thing accomplished? And then what do you do when you do that? You go and you meditate on like, what is it that you're supposed to do? You're looking at it from every angle. You're trying to ask questions and you're looking up resources and different things like that. Like meditation is like this deeper dive into what the ideal is that you're trying to accomplish. And so you do the same thing with the Bible and the word. This is today's podcast. Thank you for being along on the ride with us. You can know that the Bible is absolutely true. You just got to start opening it up and finding out for yourself. Test it for yourself. Find out for yourself and experience it for yourself. It's the most important thing that you can ever do is to find out the truth of who and whose you are. And we all belong to God. We just choose not to be His. Right. So we love you and you guys out there, you go and be great and let your God do those things and you walk with him. Let God do those things in your life that need to be done by just choosing to be his son. All right. Mm -hmm. You guys be blessed. We are yeah. out.